Hey everybody, this is Pat Torpy from Mr. Big, and you're listening to Music Mania. You're ready for some screaming heavy metal? We rock! But the evil that men do lives on. We're gonna bang your You are now listening to the Music Mania Podcast, brought to you by CD Warehouse in Gladstone, the number one hard rock podcast in the Midwest, featuring hard-hitting interviews with rock's living legends. And now, here's your host, Clint Schweitzer. Thank you, as always, for joining me here on the Music Mania Podcast. I am your host, Clint Schweitzer, and today, a very special show, Richard Black from the band Shark Island is going to be joining me and I tell you Shark Island is one of those bands if you're into the 80s if you're into 80s hair metal you know who Shark Island is they uh, they ruled the, the LA Sunset Strip in Hollywood uh, in the mid 80s to the late 80s they didn't release their debut album Law of the Order until 1989 and I'll tell you that could have been the mistake for them Richard Black's going to talk about all that and much more the band's still around they're playing a show August 25th uh, in London with Junkyard and uh, Spread Eagle so the band's still around. We're going to talk to them about what went wrong. Why did they not explode? Because Shark Island was was one of those bands. They were the Gazari's house band for two years uh, in Hollywood. They were there every uh, every weekend. They played the L.A. club scene as much as anyone did back in that time. Why they didn't blow up? Well, could be a lot of things. The music business is a, is a crazy one indeed. A lot of it was timing, but they they did have that wonderful album. I think one of my favorite '80s rock albums, Law of the Order. Uh, songs like um, Paris Calling, Somebody's Falling, uh, Spellbound, uh, Shake For Me. It was a great, great album that I still spin a lot to this day. We're going to be talking to Richard about that, uh, some of the politics behind that album, what happened, uh, why the band disbanded after that, and how he's able to recreate uh, the band in a new car- incarnation today. they got a new album in the works and hopefully a tour to follow in the next year or so. So it's going to be great to talk to him. Again, thank you for joining us. Always appreciate that feedback. Facebook, Twitter, Music Mania Podcast. And I'll tell you, for hitting that download button on iTunes or YouTube, any way that you choose to listen to us, we thank you for that. And we want to thank our sponsor, CD Warehouse in Gladstone. Hit up our man, Randy Ringer. He's been uh, he's been there for so long. CD Warehouse has been in the Northland here in Kansas City, Missouri for over 22 years. It's the place that I bought 90% of the music I listen to still to this day, whether it be on my computer or still the CDs themselves, CDs, vinyls, T-shirts, anything you need, buy, sell, and trade there at CD Warehouse in Gladstone, 2504 Northeast 57th Terrace. And we're going to be back with our interview with Mr. Richard Black from Shark Island right after this. If you miss the experience and atmosphere of an old-school record store, then visit CD Warehouse in Gladstone. Your one-stop shop for CDs, vinyl, t-shirts, and more. We just moved downstairs from our previous location, so visit us at 2504 Northeast 57th Terrace in Kansas City, Missouri. Or call 816-455-2130. CD Warehouse, 22 years strong in North Kansas City, Missouri. And don't forget, we buy, sell, and trade. Hey, Richard. Good to hear from you, man. How's everything going today? Pretty good. Pretty good. What, where are you at? Where are you at? What what uh, state are you in? We are in Kansas City, Missouri. I don't know if you've ever made it out oh, to, okay. to the heartland before, but yep, yeah, yeah, just living the dream this summer, you know. Sure, I have. I, yeah, I've been there before. I always, um, yeah, we're having a heat wave out here. I'm in I'm, right now. I'm in in uh, Southern California, and we're having like this 
pseudo monsoon weather. It's like it's like ninety degrees and humidity and everybody's going crazy. Yeah, um, man. I was just out there a few weeks ago and it was uh it was like a hundred and fifteen in Vegas too. And it was just like wow, they were not you know, Southern Californians, you guys um don't do well if it drops, you know, below eighty or if it gets above like ninety five. There's like a small window yeah. for you guys. <laughs> yeah. It's a very very narrow window, yes it is. <laughs> And God and forbid there be any rain. Myself included. Myself included. I, I, I'm, I, I don't fare well in hot weather. I like, I like cloudy, rainy weather. That's kind of my, my thing, and that's why I try to go as often as possible. Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I'll tell you what. I mean, Richard, it's so cool. You guys got this, uh, got this show coming up at the end of August. Shark Island's going to be out in London with with Spread Eagle and Junkyard. What, a, what a cool deal that is. Kind of, how did that come about? And uh, you got to be pumped, uh, pumped to head back to the UK for the first time in a while, I assume. Yeah, yeah, it is. Our, it's our. It, we haven't been there in a in a in a very long time. I, I don't I don't have a, a very interesting um, answer to how we got there. It just kind of came together. The promoter. Um, you know, con- contacted us and and we had some time and we said, "Wow, well, let's just go do it." We're you know we're you know, working on we're working on uh, doing a new recording and whatnot and and I thought it would be a you know a good time to just you know s- stretch our legs a little bit and you know do some live shows before it, it usually makes the studio go a lot better. So so here we go. So we're going to be in uh, I guess uh, I guess on the twenty fourth in. In Camden, I, you know, I forgot the name of the of the club, and then of course two days later at uh, at um, in Hall at the uh, um, music festival. So um, yeah, it should be good. Oh yeah, absolutely. And Shark Island's one of those bands, you know, you guys have done, uh, done one of the Monsters of Rock cruises. It's always one of those ones, hey, like, awesome Shark Island's on this, cause you guys, you know, you don't, don't play a ton of shows, but will that change? You know, you're doing a new album, you know, getting kind of your legs under you. Do you kind of foresee more, more shows coming up? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, you know, I have, a as, as anybody who's followed the band, you know, we've had, you know, quite, quite a, a few bumps and, and um, obstacles to to kind of succumb and 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 uh, you know we yeah I just you know one foot in front of the other we just trying to you know keep going and you know it's it's kind of slow going for whatever reason I don't know if it's you know I don't know, maybe it's just the bad decisions I'm making or something or I don't know or maybe it's just chance you know but um, you know we're just gonna we're, we're just plowing ahead and and right now I after this show I want to kind of finally finish the album and then and then uh and then do a quite a bit more shows you know funny thing Clint I was um uh you know when I you know years ago when we were still you know doing a lot of gigging you know I, I and we were trying to get a record deal like like many bands I found myself um you know I have okay I have a bunch of songs here and I got a band and we're polished and we're ready to go and we and we, we, we need a record deal and you couldn't find one anywhere. You know, it was just everybody was going for a few deals. And there was a thousand bands going for just a few slots, you know, and so difficult. So we did and all that happened. But now I find myself just the opposite. I find um, uh, a few a few uh, companies wanting a record and now I'm not prepared. I have all the songs <laughs> written, and it's just kind of ironic, you know. It's just wow. I wish I had this this problem before, you know. Um, but uh, but 
you know, so, you know, we, what do you do? What do you do? You just kind of try to plow ahead. Well, it's kind of a sign of the, the change in the music industry. You talk about what a polished and, uh, you know, veteran live band that, that Shark Island became back to when you guys were uh, the Sharks, you know, really just owning the uh, the L.A. club scene. And the fact that there were, you know, and it had to be, you know, hard for, for you guys. A lot of bands that, that came in, you know, after you, that weren't as talented as you, didn't have, you know, the live chops that you did, getting these deals. And you said there were, you know, a few deals for just a few bands. I mean, that, that, that had to be tough. And, and you guys didn't get the major release until 89, um, which, I mean, just the timing of that had, you know, had to be tough, even though Law of the Order is one of the great albums, I think, of the 80s. Um, had to be tough for you guys to, to sit there and watch a lot of bands that did that maybe didn't deserve it. Maybe they did. It's not for us maybe to judge, but uh, you guys were one of those bands that I think did deserve it and uh, finally did get it with Law of the Order. Well, well, that sure is uh, nice of you to say, and, and yeah, I, I, I do that. I mean, we had, yeah, there was no book or no guide manual on how to do this. I just figured, you know, well, if, if you're, you know, really good at what you do and you'll be recognized and somehow be, you know, at least acknowledged as, as far as like a, you know, a, you know, with, with something, you know, positive, but yeah, you know, it, it, you never know. You can't, you, you kind of stack the odds. You try to do what you want to do. And you, I mean, we played all the time. It was, it was no, it was no fluke that we were polished, you know, and, and it sounds, you know, if I just mentioned it, that may, it may sound, you know, arrogant or something, but you know, we played literally hundreds of shows a year, hundreds and hundreds. I mean, I'd play, we played three shows a night, five nights a week, sometimes six nights a week. You know, we did top 40 for years and did, you know, our own versions of that. I mean, for years, and we didn't, you know, we didn't have day jobs or anything like that. We spent all our time on stage, you know, and our, and our outfits didn't even get washed enough, right? <laughs> so, so you know what? It, it just kind of happens. You just kind of get good at what you do, but then if somebody can kind of take what you're doing, you know, regardless, whatever it is in life, and homogenize it, you know, then they kind of get like uh, they get to take the shortcut. You know, I I did the long way, and then some people kind of went, okay, well, we're going to do the shortcut, and and we're going to do this, and all of a sudden, you know, then you got to roll of the dice at the end, and. Uh, and that's it. That's it. Well, and that is just kind of shows you just a snapshot of the um, the unpredictability of the music industry, especially in the '80s, where you guys were. I mean, you guys were, uh, you know, you, uh, the house band at Gazaris, you know, beginning in the in the, I believe the mid '80s, and Forge from a, a club that Van Halen you know, you know, famous. Two and a half years we did that. That's two insane. And a half years every <laughs> Friday and Saturday night for two and a half years. Wow. And. And, you know, I mean, that's a long time, you think about it, especially in terms of music. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of shows, a lot of experience, so. It is, and it's a club. Van Halen kind of kind of put on the map. They played uh, there relentlessly uh, in, the, in the you know in the in the mid to late seventies, and uh, for that's for you guys. Right. But what does it say about the scene? Because I don't. To me, there'll never be another scene like it. Maybe just because I'm biased, I'm a huge fan of so many of the bands that came uh, came from that. But I don't think that you'll ever see anything like what West Hollywood was during during the uh, mid to late eighties. I just don't think there'll ever be anything like that. Yeah, you know, I, I would I, I would tend to agree with you uh but that being said i remember you know when i was you know 
you know, back to Gazari's when I was talking to, you know, uh, Bill Gazari, we used to have all these philosophical conversations and he had, and his observation was that there was this, there was this big boom, for instance, on the Sunset Strip when, you know, the doors were playing and all this, you know, you know, all these big, you know, influential bands of the time were playing and there was like a really, real huge resurgence of like the strip, so to speak, you know. And then there was a really a dry spell and, and it just dried up completely and then, and then kind of Van Halen came through and it kind of came up again and it was like a big thing for a while and then it went away and now it's kind of dead again. And while I, I, I feel like my, my gut tells me, no, it'll never happen again because the music business is so different, you know, there's like, you know, Today, it's like almost you'd have to be really a fool to buy a CD. I mean, you know, I mean, you like to support the arts and all, and that's all altruistic and beautiful and stuff as far as a philosophy goes. But, you know, if you want to hear a song, I don't care what it is, you can just, like, get on YouTube and put it and put it through your speakers, and it's, you know, everything's free. You don't have to carry a, any kind of, you know, you know, merchandise around, no no CDs or records or, or whatever, you know, you, you can just have it right there. You can have it at your at your smartphone. So, you know, in, in that being said, you know, how re- how could it really research? I mean, it would have to be like a real kind of a, almost like a bohemian movement that people find it, you know, really, you know, interesting and cool to go watch a band or go pay, you know, $15 and, and go watch it, watch an act at the Whiskey A Go-Go that you've never heard of before and, and have a big social life. But, and people aren't doing that. But, I mean, I guess it, it could change. I, I can't picture how or when, maybe not even in my lifetime, but, you know, I, I always want to hope that people will be uh, interested in, in the arts and want to support it and want to be a part of it. Somewhere. That's kind of, you know, what it is. But right now, uh, it's kind of hard. You know, I can't, I can't yeah. imagine it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and I've been, I've been there and I went to, to a show at the Whiskey A Go Go. I saw LA Guns there not long ago. And just, you know, uh, for me, someone that's from Missouri, you know, what Hollywood represented was just like another world. And, uh, to be able to go there and even though, you know, years passed when the, the strip was really on fire there, when, when you could still, uh, you know, uh, staple your, uh, your flyers to the, to the post there without getting in trouble or arrested. I think that came in the early right. 90s. <laughs> but, uh, right, right. And, and, you know, and for you guys kind of, uh, kind of jumping around here a little bit, but for you guys, you know, after Law of the Order, and I always kind of wonder this because when I first became aware of Shark Island was through the movie Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I think a lot of people my age, I'm a little younger, I'm in my 30s, came across the band that way. Uh, and then you did the song for uh, for Point Break, My City. Were those songs kind of what the next wave of what you guys were going to do with a new album? And obviously it never, it never happened, but were those songs kind of... Uh, the next level for what you guys were, were looking to achieve and uh, how big were those songs kind of for you guys, you know, as a, as a band? Well, um, kind of, kind of one of both, you know, we had, we had like, uh, for Bill and Ted, we had, I had the most of father time in the bag, but you know, I mean, you're, when you're, when you're dealing with the music business and, and in this situation, you had a, you kind of had a, uh, music business slash, movie business right so you're you know you're trying to you know i i thought that it that it would be a really good thing to have a song in a movie as far as you know as far as media goes and exposure it's really great you know to have a song in the movie gosh if you had a song on a credit roll of a great movie you're like you have it made you know 
you're 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 in. So I mean, we had that song, but just to give you like an idea, um, I was when I was uh, first approached, you know, was oh, there's this there's this movie we're making, and it's, here's Ken Reeves, and and here's George Carlin, and it's about these kids, and they go on the time machine. I'm thinking, okay, you know, time machines, and they go, they go, we need a song for it. And I go, well, you know. Okay, and I go, well, I got this song called Father Time. It sounds like it's a perfect match. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> what, what do you What do you mean, no? I mean, I mean these kind of things happen all the time. If, if, it, it, it almost appeared like if someone didn't think of it on their own, it was, it was invalid. I mean, I remember clearly, clearly having a huge argument, you know, at, at you know, one of those, uh, you know, big old conference rooms with, you know, record executives sitting around, just like you'd see on a movie or on TV, you know, and I'm sitting there and we're trying to put together the album and I'm going, yeah, I like it, you know, I really want, you know, Paris Calling on, oh, well, I don't know if we're going to put Paris Calling on the album. I, I, I go, what do you mean? <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? <laughs> I mean, to have to wow. fight for things that you think are so obvious, but, you know, like, again, if someone didn't think of it, then it's it's invalid, but so so it's kind of a dance you do with with people within the industry because you need people in different places. But it's a dance you do. You want everybody to be involved from their heart. You know they want you know something that they have a stake in it. it it's more than money, unless you're paying them like a huge amount of money. But all, a lot of times there's not a huge amount of money for these smaller little jobs. So so basically, what you in exchange of a lot of money, you want people to be into it. You want their their heart in it. Yeah. And they want you want them to believe in it. You because then it's almost like wow, it's great. Then it's like a big harmonious thing, you know. But you have to kind of you know you have to kind of do a little dance with everybody. You're giving and taking and trying to convince somebody and trying to bring them in. You're trying to have them see your point of view. It's not like an iron fist thing. It's a, damn it, we're going to do this and that's all there is to it. I mean, you're not going to get anywhere. They go, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> bing, 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 bing. Yeah. You, know, it's like, you know, you don't get anything out of them. Out of that, it's just talented people and if their hearts are in it, you know, if you can get a talented person's heart into a project, man, that's great. You know, that's great. And you get a bunch of people to do that. That's great. So back to your question. Um, um, yeah, I had that father time was kind of, you know, was kind of penned and I was kind of, we were already moving in like, you know, that kind of style of thing, but it never made it on the record. And then Point, um, the, the Point Break song, that was a, like a pretty much a, you know, a custom song that we kind of put together for it. And, um, you know, it was just another one of the songs. We've, we've, gosh, we've got like hundreds of songs that people haven't even heard yet, you know. Yeah, which and now is... They're, and now you can't even, now, you know, now they're out of date, you know. Sometimes some parts of it are still okay, I guess, and but you got to rethink it. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of what's interesting is to see what what um, what an, an, a new album would have would have been like, kind of forged from from those songs. And I mean, kind of your guys's demise after that. Would you say it was more label driven because of the the lack of major label interest uh, after Law of the Order? Or was it personal at that uh, point? What, I'll, t- I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly what it was. It's very very easy. Um, you know, we, you know, we are trying to get a, uh, a deal for years and years. You know, we did some independent records and this and that. And, you know, kind of, you know, made money by selling our own albums and vinyls and this and that at the time. And we didn't get signed really till like 1989. Now think back what was happening then. 
you know, I remember I was with, gosh, years for the few years before that, I was with uh, A&M Records on a, on, a, on a development deal, and, and all I kept hearing from the A&R people, yeah, there's this band up in Seattle, you know, called Soundgarden, they're fantastic, you know, so there's this, and basically what's happening here at the time was that there was this new kind of style going on, you know, they, they later they later coined a, you know, uh, the, 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 the description grunge, you know, that's what they called it. You know, it was grunge rock, right? It was just like, okay, well, what we, what we left behind in LA was a very, very refined, you know, you know, you know, outfit driven, image driven, hair driven type of band with a formula and a formula for songs and a certain sound and everybody had the same amplifiers and the guitars and the same hairstylists and promoters and everything was very, very commercialized. Meanwhile, up in Seattle, there's this, there's this kind of thing going on that was like anti, anti-corporate. That's, that's what they sold to that. It was like almost like the modern day punk yeah. movement. So we got we we were on the tail end of the other of the of the former, and all of a sudden it was it was yeah it was Soundgarden, and then right after Soundgarden it was you know you know Mother Love Bone, but they never made it because um, Andrew died. But you know then there was a, a Temple of the Dog, and then there was uh, Pearl Jam, and then there was Nirvana, and that was the end of it. And it literally in a, in a, in a couple months time it was like it was gone. It was gone. I I always believed at the time that that I I had enough. I was open minded enough to be able to you know maybe laterally make a move, you know, to be accessible to that because we weren't really a. I never considered us really a glam band, really, and I never really considered us a like a heavy metal band. In fact, I used to joke around and say, you know, we're we're like the worst heavy metal band in the world. <laughs> We were kind of we were kind of a rock band, you know. We were just kind of did that, and you know, we didn't, you know. I mean, everybody was trying to dress like women and with makeup, and trying to dress as much as you can. And and of course, you have to kind of go along with it because that's what everybody, all the peers around, that's what everybody kind of expected. So you kind of like to, you kind of almost have to do it to a degree. But you know, we never really, you know, were fully immersed in that. Like you know, like a band like Poison or something like that, which was, you know, or Warrant or something like that, where they were just, they were like the epitome of what that scene was, right? And uh, that's what it was. So we just, we're, we we got fine too late in a, in a, in a, in a sentence. Yeah. We got fine too late. And I think that happened to to several bands. Uh, Wild Side was always one to me that was uh, that was similar to you guys, and they didn't even come out for another couple of years after you guys. Uh, well, with them, Babylon AD, there was a, there was a lot of bands like that that uh, just yeah. didn't yeah, quite. Exactly. The, yeah, the timing and the timings, everything, as they say. But what do you, when you look back? What, how, what do you feel like the legacy is uh, of Shark Island? Because you guys gutted it out, gutted it out in the clubs. You're it's still brought up today. That you still see threads on Metal Sludge today. Why weren't Shark Island bigger? Richard Black was a trendsetter. He they were not followers. They were trendsetters. Richard Black, you know, created a lot of a lot of uh, you know things that there were maybe taken by other bands. What do you think the legacy will be for Shark Island? Kind of kind of moving forward. Well, right now, you know, you look at the you look at the group, and it's pretty much under as far as the original members. It's me. Everybody just everybody kind of like a, a, eventually just kind of ended up leaving. You know, they have to make a living. They got to do something and stuff. And I, I, it just 
kind of neat, you know, like I'm a lot older right now. I'm not, you know, you know, uh, I'm not what I used to be back then, but I still, I'm into, I'm into writing songs. I'm into doing something, you know, just putting myself out there. I, I need to, I need to do that. Um, because I, I kind of feel it. I kind of feel I need to. It's like something that, you know, what do they, you know, what did uh, Bukowski say? Find something you love and, and let it kill you. Right. Right. <laughs> so, so, so that's pretty much where, kind of where I am as far as being a transmitter. That's all, that's all really flattering and stuff. It's really great. I didn't, I, th- those things didn't happen on kind of, I didn't do that intentionally. That was just, that was just an observation of my work. It was an observation of what I did. And I didn't really think nothing of it. It was, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm special. I just think I, I worked hard. You know, I work hard and I try, and I try to take things seriously. And I, you know, if I'm, if I'm not going to put a, you know, try to do something great, I'm not going to bother because, you know, you know, life's too short. So. Absolutely, and that's that's why it's great to see uh, to see this. I, I can't wait to, uh, to to hear about the shows. Wish I could get out there. Never been to London. Need to do that sometime. But I tell you what, we need to get uh, get Shark Island some shows here in the Midwest sometime. Uh, that that'd be wonderful. I would uh, just love to come come say hello in person, see the band. It'd be a, a huge coup for me, man. So hopefully we can make that happen here in the next next year or so as you guys finish the album and everything like that. All right, Clint. Thanks. thanks um, I'd love to. So you know. Uh, I'll keep you posted. You know, please do. If we get a tour through there, and you're gonna, we'll have a, we'll, we'll have a beer together, or yeah. something stronger. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, um, I'm up for it all, man. I'll tell you what. Official Shark Island. That is the Facebook page where people can get uh, the info on the band. That's really the main place right now to uh, to get the info on the on uh, on the dates and the uh, the album and stuff like that. It's Official Shark Island on Facebook. So yeah. got a social media presence. Yeah. You know, got to do that these days. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah, we're gonna have a, a new website now. We got a whole new thing of uh, merchandise that we're gonna launch, and, Great. and we're you know we're, I'm just doing a complete restructuring. You know, Great. I had a so you know it's it's, it's slow going, but uh, hey. Well, of course, and of course, these days, you know, you got to also got to do the Instagram, you got to do the Snapchat, you got to do the Twitter. So, you know, you just get, get all that, all that going and, you know, all, all will be well, right? I mean, that's what, that's what the kids that's today, right. they got, they follow all, all those things. So it's like, you got to right. have them all apparently. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, that's right. Richard, I tell you what, can't thank you enough. True pleasure, huge fan, lifelong fan. And, uh, let's catch up soon. You got my email, you got my, my number here for you. Anything going on, anything you want to talk about, anything you want to publicize, let's do it. Anytime I, you know, I'm always open, my man. I appreciate it. Super, Clint. Thank you. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. You betcha. We'll Thanks talk, a lot. We'll talk to you soon. You bet. All Thanks right. a lot. An engaging interview with Mr. Black, indeed, and I'm glad to see he he always seems to kind of have a sense of humor uh, about uh, about all things Shark Island, while still realizing that uh, you know there's still a viable you know a place for them that people still want to hear from them. Uh, they want new music. The fans that know who they are uh, want to see them play live, and I think that's great. They've got uh, these couple shows coming up in London. Hopefully, we see more from Shark Island because I'm a huge fan. You know, you go back to the songs they had on uh, on the Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure soundtrack. That's where I really got to know Shark Island and who they were, Father Time and Dangerous, those songs from, from Bill and Ted, and then, of course, uh, the song they did for Point Break, one of my favorite movies, 1991's Point Break with Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves, the surfing movie. What a, what a great song, My City, which was about L.A., and to me, Shark Island is the quintessential L.A. Sunset Strip band. They may never have made it on a global scale, but I appreciate what Shark Island was, and Law of the Order will always be one of my favorite albums from the 80s. Of course, it came out in 1989. 
maybe a little bit too late to have that major label debut. So maybe it didn't hit on on a lot of levels that they were hoping it did. But uh, great to catch up with Richard. Hope that the band continues and good things come from them. Uh, of course, uh, big things coming from us as always. We've got more interviews. We've got more shows coming up the rest of the summer. Going to have a lot of reports from those, a lot of reviews. Guys, thanks so much as always for joining us here on the Music Media Podcast. Can't thank you enough. Please hit us up. Feedback. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, musicmania underscore show on Twitter. That's our handle. Hit us up. Thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Clint Schweitzer. This has been Music Mania.